You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system, up to a 313-mile range, and A-Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, their ZDX is the most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Hello and welcome to this special edition of the Two Robbies podcast. I'm Robbie Musto and he's Robbie Earl. In celebration of Women's History Month, we wanted to dedicate a series of episodes to some of the incredible women involved in the Premier League. That's right, Musty. In today's episode, we focus on Karen Kearney. Kearney sat down with Jules Breitz to discuss the roots of her passion for football, her support system throughout her career, and how she's transitioned into broadcasting career. Here is that full conversation. You've had a glittering career on the pitch as a player and now you've turned your talents on screen and you've been a success in absolutely everything you've done. But let's take you right back <laughs> to the start. When did you actually decide you wanted to play football? Um, probably I had a... My mum didn't want me hanging around the house in the holiday so pretty much booted me out to, <laughs> to football camps with the lads and really, really enjoyed it. Um, however, I was a dancer... Um, not at the moment with this foot, but um, so I was pretty much always dancing, and then I started seeing those dance moves. No, I know you kept them quiet. The teacher obviously wasn't as great then. <laughs> um, yeah, I think football kind of dragged me into it, and uh, so probably about like, age of eleven, then my mum and dad were like, right, we need to get her into a team, and then that's where I joined Birmingham City. But again, I was still dancing until sixteen, so. I really had to kind of put that on a, on a kibosh and at 16 then I had a proper commitment to football and then within a year I was in the England first team playing at Euro. So wow. it all happened really, really quick. But I'd say joining Blues at 11 um, and then I'd say probably at 14 then I really knew that I wanted to play for England and I was not just OK, I was pretty good. I didn't really know that. You, you never know because when you're the only girl and you're playing with boys... You don't know how, you don't know about your opportunities. You don't know where things could go. So, I would say up until 17, it was just tumbleweed and just go with it. I don't know where I'm going to end up, and it's all just happened as it has. What was the support like? Because you talk about how quickly it all happened for you. Were your family supportive of that? Yeah, like my mum and dad are amazing and. I actually think my sister is incredible. Uh, I have two, so sorry about the other one. She always <laughs> gets the middle one, always gets cast aside, even though she's the favourite. Um, but, yeah, my older sister didn't have opportunities to play, and um, so she became a ref. And she How much older is she? Oh, Jules, she won't be thankful for that. Um, she's, she's 12 years older than me, so okay. she's... Um, it's a different generation, though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is, and, and I actually see those generations in my sister, myself, and my niece, who's 15. So there's, like, a 30-odd-year gap, and I see the change in that, and it's, it's remarkable. But Sarah, my older sister, she um, became a coach, 
she coached um, a girls team in our local area from under 10s all the way up to seniors. So she coached them for probably 15 years. Um, you know, took no money off them. Proper grassroots coach, pumped up the balls, did all did all the tactics, did everything. So I was really inspired, really, by her. My mum is massively into football. I think she thinks she's a commentator, a pundit, a coach all at once. And, you know, we're, we're talking on International Women's Day, but you're nothing without your, your male counterparts. And I had a, a great dad who took me everywhere and taught me, like, fundamentals. Um, and so I had a super supportive family, even though everyone went to him, wait, your, your little girl plays football, but she's, she should stick with dancing. They were a bit like, no, we think she's good. And my dad was the first one that went, we need to give her a platform to go and express herself. So, yeah, my family and my uncles, my aunts have all followed me throughout my career from 11 to the day I retired. So I've had a super supportive family. The only issue was we're Irish. And uh, my dad was like, you've got to play for Ireland. And I was like, I'm going to play for England. <laughs> so um, that was a bit of a turning point. But, yeah, all good. I think that's really interesting that your dad was being questioned about his daughter and the career choice that she made. What conversations have you had with him about that? He actually said the other day, he's like, for so long, Karen, in the pub, I've had to defend women's football. And he's like, I've had to tell them, you know, they train at 8 o'clock at night and it doesn't look good because they're not full-time. And it was only the other day he actually told me this and he's like, now, like, I go in and they just come to me and he just goes, he just nods and he just acknowledges it. And so I think... He's seen the shift and his mates are talking about it and, you know, it's. I guess it was, was hard for my mum and dad because it wasn't the norm. Why don't you take your girl to continue to take your little girl to dancing? Why don't you, you give her a dolly? Well, I want one. I want to play football. And I don't. as a little girl, I don't see why I can't play. And my mum and dad shielded me from that and went, we're going to do our best to try and give you, we can't, we can't stop this kid from playing football, she's obsessed. <laughs> and as a parent, we're going to try our best to give her the best way that we can. And my mum works in the my dad's a firefighter. They're, they're normal, humble people, and they're just incredible. Who were your role models then as players when you were growing up? Were there female footballers you looked up to, or were they mainly male? Mainly male, mainly male. Um, you know, David Beckham, for various reasons. <laughs> um, I think, um, again, Michael Owen, that, like Steven Gerrard, the, the, the kind of the golden generation of England, which is one that puts in mind. But then I'm a Birmingham fan. You know, I was a mascot for Blues at the age of eight. So, you know, Steve Claridge, um, Adibola, um, you know, Heskey, Savage, unfortunately. Um, you know, Don't let him know that. Yeah, Clinton Morrison, again, like... Um, they were the players I looked up to because it just wasn't accessible. But there was two that did stand out that I was really lucky in that generation where I could just find that information and it was Kelly Smith and Rachel Yankee. Rachel, I was just, like, mesmerised when I, I saw her live at a game and I was like, wow, she had the, the hair plaited back and I was like, she's iconic. She was quick, she was fast, she was skillful. Um, she could cross the ball, she could beat a player... She engaged with the fans. She had swagger, but looked so nice after games. She got to fans, and I just thought that was awesome. So I, I loved her, and since I've got to know her, and I joked earlier, she's my mum's favourite child. <laughs> um, so she's very much a part of our family now. She's incredible. And then I say Kelly Smith. Um, I, we did have a computer growing up, and I used to actively go and search 
about what Kelly was doing in America. And weirdly, she was my screensaver. Um, which, so I was really lucky. I had two really amazing humans that I eventually found out and two female role models um, in, in Kelly and Rachel. So that was it. But other than them, I didn't have any other information and how actively I had to go and search to find out about them was hard. In terms of the latter stages of your career as a player, yeah. how did you decide that the time was up and you wanted to hang your boots up? That moment's always difficult, but I, I think I was one day walking down the stairs, I think about 27, I thought, ooh, I'm not recovering as quick. And I started you to... get that walking up the stairs. I know, right? Down. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. I think it was from the moment I'd walk, woken up and I was going down, so I'm like, ooh, I'm fresh in the morning, this is an issue. Yeah. Um, and kind of that first morning walk, I'm like, oh, my God, this is really tough um, after training. And so I, I knew quite early on my body was slowing down. And then so, you know, you have that feeling. But then it got to 2019, and I'd been injured the season before, and I got back into the England team quite late. And I went to the She Believes Cup, and I came back from America, and I was like, my body's absolutely ruined. And I walked into Emma Hayes and I went, I'm going to retire. And she thought, from international football, and I went, no, I'm done. Like, I would be done at the end of the season. And when you say it and you're like, OK, that's tough, and then you walk out and you're like, oh, my God, I haven't got a job. I'm like, I don't have any money or how is this going to work? And I don't have any... I haven't got money for a, a gap year or a gap month. Like, this is just played female football. So I'm like, OK. Um, so that, that was really tough, you know, going in there and no one knew I was retiring because I wanted to not say anything going into the World Cup. And then so my last Chelsea game was before England and I remember there was a, the Chelsea goalkeeper, Hedvig Lingard. She was leaving and had been at the club a long time and I was captain and I gave her the captain's armband for her last game but it was the last game of my domestic career and no one knew apart from Emma and I got really upset on the pitch in the warm-up and she kind of, the woman went on and she kind of like gave me a cuddle and I couldn't say anything. Um, so yeah, that was, a, that was a moment where I, I didn't say anything and I, I thought I've got to give it to her, let her have her moment. And karma will give me good karma when I come back, hopefully I'll get my moment at some point. Um, and Emma always said that to me and so that was, that was really cool. But that was really sad, retiring for, for club and I wanted to go out quietly, I didn't want to fuss. Um, even though I just said I wanted a moment, but I just wanted that. It's hard. It, it's like a, I wouldn't even say it's like a breakup. It's like, I don't know. It's really hard retiring from anything. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com. 
T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus is central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. So did you know then that you wanted to come across and work in the media? Was it always a plan? How did it all happen? Um, well, when I got injured in like 2013, I started doing radio and I, I did my master's in psychology as well and I did it on pre-game, half-time and post-game team talks. So I went into um, a National League team and they enabled me to do my master's doing that. So again, I was then I did scouting reports for them and just started learning and learning and I was really enjoying it and I was doing bits and bobs when I was still playing um, but then it, I don't know I really enjoyed it and then an opportunity came up and as I said earlier I needed a job and I thought well I've just played football which is the best career the, the next best version of that is seeing it talking about it and being engaged in it so I was like well this is this is amazing but what I didn't anticipate was just because you played the game doesn't mean you you can articulate in TV. You're in TV, it's completely different. And, like, it's taken me a long time to realise that and to feel relaxed in front of a camera or how to articulate yourself or that you're putting on a show for other people, which is really different. Um, so, yeah, I think that's how it happened. And now I've been in it, I think this is really, really cool. And I don't know how long it's going to last. I just go with it and roll with it and... Yeah, thoroughly enjoying it. And I, to be honest, Jules, I, I get to work with people like you. And I'm not just saying it because you're interviewing me, but, you know, you were probably there very early, at the very start of my career in the broadcasting, and um, it's amazing. That's cute. Um, look, you talked about all the emotions you had when you had to retire and hang up your boots and make that transition across. What support did you have? Was it difficult? Was it easy? Because it's not as simple as just saying, OK, well, I want to work in the media now. I need a job. Mm. How did it actually transpire? In terms of an athlete, I had no support. None. I laugh about it now. I didn't know how to make a doctor's appointment. Just the simple things. I had no idea because a football club takes care of everything, or it did in the latter part of my career. I know that sounds really naive, um, but had like no support, and so now I am actually involved in an ath a female football transition, you know, career development program because I recognise how difficult it is, and I don't, you know, obviously we're involved in broadcasting, but I don't promote just that. I think from being a former footballer, you've got so many transferable skills, but you don't know about them. You don't know how applicable they are to other industries and how. Amazing being a... Um, I see it now in my, my players that we're on the programme with. They don't have a confidence. In football, they do, and then out of it, they're so underconfident about what they can do and what they can achieve, and I think that's something I'm really passionate about because there is no support, and I think you see it in the men's game. There's not enough support, and even male players are probably nervous about who they bring into that circle. So I'm big about trying my best to make sure that no one ever feels 
under-supported because, like I said, it's the, one of the hardest things you'll ever go through, retiring, um, and it's very, very difficult. And from punditry, you then started doing co-commentary, which you do a lot of, and you're absolutely brilliant at it on both the radio and TV. And at Premier League Productions, you became the first ever female co-commentator for a Premier League game worldwide. Peak. What was that pressure like on that day? Because you knew that that was the case. Um, yeah, I mean, again, I don't think it really sunk in until afterwards. And then my roommate in America was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Or Rebecca Lowe was like, oh, my God, like, we're hearing you. And it was Stephen Cook, really, that guy that saw me early on and went, you will do it, like, you will do co-coms. And he said it five, five years ago. So afterwards, then it was like, wow, this is pretty big. And I think... It's pretty cool to be a history maker. Do you know what I mean? Like, no one will ever take that away from you. And, you know, I can be cheeky to my niece now. And, <laughs> and it means a lot. Now it's kind of started to sink in a little bit. But um, that day I was just doing my job and just enjoyed it. And, yeah, it was, I don't know, it's a bit surreal. Is it nice, though, when you get that recognition? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it is pretty cool. Um, I mean... Should I have had to break history? Probably not. But it is cool that I did it. So I'm pretty happy about that. And hopefully now that it's just the norm and just continues and it has. And everyone's been super supportive. And, you know, I do games all the time and, you know, it's nothing new. And that, that's the way it should go and should be. And I've enjoyed it. Do you feel like there is this growing support in the industry of now that there are more females working in football, that it feels like everyone looks out for each other and maybe that wasn't always the case? Yeah, I think what happened to me a short time ago, it, I realised how good the industry is, that when someone effectively goes after you, how many people were there? Also, how many were not? But I think it showed so much support. There were so many people that I hadn't even worked with that had heard me or um, listened to me and were so supportive. So that was, that was cool. And I think, yeah, I think similar how I, when I played, my always dream was to be a part of, not a part from, and I always use that saying. And I think when we go to games, I, I very much feel a part of. And I think... We, I think when we walk in, I feel like well, it's nothing new, it's nothing different. And it's, that should be the way. Yeah. So that is the norm. And I want it to continue to be the norm. What you're referring to there is social media abuse. And that, unfortunately, is something that we're all part of, whether you're male, female. Yeah. As if you work in the media, it's kind of part and parcel, which is a shame. But it happens. So what would your advice be to anyone who wanted to get into the industry mm. and that were worried about social media abuse? Um, look, you can't control. You can only control what you do. Um, if you're worried, just be smart about your settings um, and understand that you are in a job that requires an opinion and that is not always going to please everybody. And... Yeah, you like in football, like in any life, you're going to have good days, you're going to have bad days, but you, you keep going and you learn from it. And for me, I took a lot of positives from some of the, the more difficult times in Punjabi, not just those specific moments. So you, you just learn and you have a great team around you and you just smile and you go to work and you show up and you just keep going and you work harder. 
And in terms of any young girls who aspire to be like you, whether that's as a player, because you talked about the iconic figures who were in your life when you were younger, like Rachel Yankee and Kelly Smith and the other male players. You are now that <laughs> to young girls who want to play football. But also you've become that as a broadcaster as well, working in the media. So what advice would you give to any young girls who want to work either in football as a player or as a broadcaster? Just have fun, enjoy it. Um, that would be, nothing would change. Just work hard. If you've got a passion for it, follow it. Um, you know, the same for you, Jules. I know I keep going back to you, but you're the same. You know, you know, we're, it's such an honour. And I'm not saying it again here. And like, I learn so much from you. And I look at you when we're on different shows and I'm watching you and I'm learning from you. And like for Manise, if you can't see it, you can't be it. And just because I've played it doesn't mean me or you have any less of a impact on my niece, because you do. She sees it and she want to be it, because she, she doesn't want to play. She might not want to be a pundit, but she might want to be a, an epic presenter. <laughs> so it's, it's not just me, it's, it's everyone involved. And, um, yeah, I know we're on it, but what you've done as well is incredible, and what you've done for me is incredible, and, and for my niece as well, so thanks. And you talk so much about your family... Yeah. and how much support they gave you growing up and yeah. in your early stages of your career as a player and watched you transition into broadcasting now. <laughs> how proud are they? You're absolutely smashing it. They are, but um, I got nominated recently um, for an award and uh, my, my family are very, very humble and say how it is. And my mum's response was, is that any good? And I was like, <laughs> it's pretty good. It's a and pretty big deal, that. My sister went... Um, Oh, Ali McCoyste, so is Karen. I'm going to vote for him. He's, he's brilliant. So <laughs> as much as it's going really well, I've got a humble family that keep it real and make me work harder. And they are really proud. They, they do tune in. They do watch. Um, like I said, my niece surprised me. She sent, sent a picture the other day of me on the game and her comments were, well said, KK. And I'm like, wow, hmm. that's, that's, that's special. That's special because... I think, for me, football wasn't easy. It came easy because it, it was just, I think, what I was meant to do. So this one's harder because I'm, I'm, not, I'm not natural at it. I have to work hard at it. So for her to see that and for my family to see that, I think, is really cool. And that award you're talking about, by the way, is the SJA for Pundit of the Year. <laughs> so what next for Karen, then, other than win that award? Um, I don't know. Just keep going, just keep enjoying it. And, yeah, the... I don't know really what the future may bring, just as long as I keep enjoying it, keep working with great people and I've got a good team behind us, just keep going. Good stuff, Karen. Thank you for talking to Thank us. Thank you. We're in it together, aren't we? Absolutely, we are. <laughs> Wonderful to hear Karen Kearney's life story and we look forward to hearing her commentary throughout the remainder of this Premier League season and beyond. Our next episode will be out Sunday, March 27, featuring stories with some of the women in prominent roles at Watford and Norwich. Thank you for listening. It's a good night from me. And it's good night from him. Good, good night. night.
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.